You're listening to the teaching of Doxa Church. Doxa is located in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and our mission is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Take your Bible and turn with me to 1 John. The book of 1 John is where we're at. And this morning we're, we're going to be looking at the fourth promise that we see in this letter. So we have been seeing these consistent themes that John has been weaving in and out through, through every single chapter. He's been talking about the promise of joy repeated theme of joy, just cycling in and out of these verses. He's been talking about light, the promise of light. He's been talking about the promise of love. And this morning, we're going to look at this fourth element, this fourth angle that John takes that is every, everywhere you look in First John. It's the promise of victory, the promise of victory. So when I say the word victory, a lot of us just immediately think of you know, we're not fighting any wars in our country, thankfully. So a lot of us just think of, like, sports, right? Some of you are sports people. Not everyone in here is a sports person. But we all want to be winners, right? And as if you think about that idea of, like, all right, I'm promised victory. That's great. Um, if, you're, if you're a sports person, you immediately think of winning, having victory, winning the championship, and now you're a victor because you accomplished it and you did it. But the thing about sports and the same, it's, it applies into the rest of life is you can relish that victory for just a couple minutes, right? Maybe you got like one or two days of like, all right, I'm going to relax. We did it. We won. I'm, the, I'm a victor. But guess what? Now you have a target on your back. And everybody else is gunning for you, and they've already rested up, and they're training hard. And you got to immediately go into this defense of the title mode. And you really don't have any, any break because it's just on to the next challenge, and everybody's going to be gunning for you next year. In a very similar way, that's the way life works. We accomplish something. We have a victory. Yes, I, I won. I graduated. I, I have this job. And little do you know, before you even realize it, the next challenge is coming your way in life. Now, when John talks about the promise of victory in this chapter, I'm going to give you a little heads up here. We're going to get into the passage in a second. But John actually acknowledges that this isn't just a you do it once, you accomplish it, and then you're good. That's not the kind of victory we're actually talking about. So look at this passage with me, and um, let's read it together. First of all, at this promise of victory. So chapter 5, start in verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commands. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world 
except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he who came by the water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of man, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that he has born concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe, God has made him a liar because he is, has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony, that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. So I mentioned this is an ongoing thing where we need victory. And notice he doesn't just say, hey, you believe in God? You are now a victor, as if this is something that you have done. No, what does he say there? He uses a participle. He actually turns this word overcome into a verb, right? Overcomes. Which is implying that this is a continual thing that needs to happen consistently. Because like I just mentioned earlier, life will keep hitting you. It goes from one peak to another valley. And, and you won't stay at that peak forever because of the curse of sin in this world and the, and the effect of other people that they have on us, we are going to face challenges. For some, it's addictions. For some, it's an abusive situation that you've, you've been in, maybe even from somebody that you, that you look up to. We all go through pain and suffering. And I mean, this is one of those times of the year where everybody tries to be happy. We want to, we want to look at the Christmas lights and enjoy that, right? But I know for a fact, there's a lot of us in this room. This season, you've lost, you're reminded of a loved one who's no longer with you. There is pain from that loss that a lot of us are dealing with. We have the promise to continually be overcoming every single one of those challenges that life brings us. When we don't feel like getting up and getting out and doing anything because of this heavy burden, you can overcome that too. And you can overcome the next thing. And you can overcome the next thing through this promise of victory that we see right here in this passage. So what is it? The bottom line, overcoming the world through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, notice it didn't just say any faith. He says our faith, and then he specifically describes our faith. You can have faith in a lot of different things. You can have faith in a sports team. You can have faith in yourself. You can have faith in someone else that you look up to. That does not promise you victory, and that does not mean that you will overcome everything this world will throw at you. Overcoming 
the world, all those trials and tribulations through faith in Jesus Christ. Do you see that there? Verse 4, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. In the rest of this passage, he's going to deep dive into our faith, a specific faith that it is solely, verse 5, centered on Jesus Christ. The one, except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So faith in Jesus enables us to rejoice in truth. And even when our faith is weak, you can be an overcomer. You can overcome again and again through faith in Jesus Christ. So let's back up to the top, back to verse 1. And I want you to, we'll start from the beginning here, specifically in verse 2, it's where we get this first active step. Because here's the promise. The promise is victory. And the way to get there is beautiful. And it's very simple. And this is not going to be a complicated message today. Because it doesn't need to be. And if I unnecessarily complicated it, I would be harming you, okay? So we're getting very simple. This is truth. This is exactly what you need. The first step in this promise what, 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 what do you need to do in this? How do you get involved? Number one, according to the text, you can probably tell me if you looked at it very closely, verse two. Look at verse two again. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. The first point today is simply love God. This year, we have grown a lot as a church. The people have grown deeper. There's been so many amazing things that have, you know, people have come into our lives, and I'm sure you, you're feeling this too. Like God's been doing an, a mighty work in, in so many of us. This is the most important thing right here. This is the thing that just keeps coming up again and again and again. You heard it last week, and you heard it the week before that, and you heard it the week before that. It's something that, yeah, if you... If you really had a gun to your head and said, hey, what is the church all about? Well, uh, loving God? Yeah, that's correct. But we can complicate it, and we can let a thousand other things get in the way. And when that happens, it suffocates our love for God. Loving God is where it all begins. And to be honest, as we sung about and the kids sang about, we didn't do this on our own. You can't just like clench your fist and say, all right, I'm going to love God now. Doesn't work that way, right? What has John been teaching in this letter? He's been teaching us over and over again with the promise of love. You love him because he first loved you. The way we grow in our love, and we've been talking about this perfected, you know, like matured love, right? The way this happens, the only way you start falling in love with God and you're excited about him and you're passionate about him and you're motivated by him is when you see that he loves you first. When you experience how much he loved you, which is the whole story of Christmas. It started there, right? With the baby in the manger? Well, it started before then, but, but that's really where it got real for us with dirt and flesh and blood right there. It all began in the manger. But John has just said that 
you know, in the, in the preceding verses here. If you love me, you will love my people. God's made it very clear. If you don't love people, you don't love me. Because if you love me, you're going to start loving one another. And this is the key to unlocking this consistent victory, overcoming all the next, I don't even know what the next thing is. I don't want to think about it right now, but we all know it's coming, right? The way you get through it and have victory over it all begins here with loving God. You love God when you know he loves you. And um, spoiler alert, here's the next point. Like, we're going to get there. Also obeying his commandments, because those things go hand in hand. But everything this whole series has been about, everything your relationship with God is all about, it all goes back to seeing the gospel. Accepting the gospel, receiving salvation, receiving God, and then it doesn't end there, right? It's not this, okay, I got this, it happened, check the box. All right, I'm good now. This is my new label. Yay for me. I can go on with my life now. You have to continually go back to God loves me. This is what he's done for me. So in John here, we're going to talk about verses 6 through 10 in a second because John takes... Um, a really unique angle that really, if you read the Gospels, he's always talking about the water and the blood. Like, that's just, I mean, John, John loved that analogy, and we're going to explain that. But I want to, for a second, before we even get to that, I want us to think about the Gospel. I want you to meditate on this. And to me, there's no greater passage to do that than, I like to call it, like, the Christmas list passage. That's just my own name for it. But it's in Ephesians 1. So take your Bible, turn with me to Ephesians 1. If you want to really meditate on the good news of how God loves you, this is a list of all the gifts that he gives you. Okay? Ephesians chapter 1. I mean, we just have Feliz Navidad. Here it is. Gift after gift after gift after gift after gift. So, I mean, those of you who've been here for a while, you know. You remember when we were preaching through Ephesians? I preached two sermons on Ephesians 1, like two straight weeks in a row. Just completely different sermons, but it was all about the same truth here. So let's look at verse 3. I want to read this, and I want you to start looking for all of these lavish gifts of our salvation. And again, you hear this? You know him? Your love for him is going to get stirred up. This is how it works. We love God when we see how much he loves us. So let's look at how much he loves us. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He protested us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. 
In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Look at the screen. Do you feel overwhelmed by that? I know it's a lot of text. Take a picture of it if you need to. Just start writing this down. There is a gift after gift after gift. You are blessed with everything you need, verse 5. Every single thing you need in this world, he will give you. You are chosen in love for his glory, verse 4. You were adopted into the family of the beloved, verses 5 and 6. Accepted in the beloved? Really? This is amazing. You were forgiven by grace, verse 7. You were were lavished with grace, verse 8. You were known and you have a purpose, verse 9. You are an instrumental, you are an instrumental piece of God's plan, and He has a plan specifically for you. You have an inheritance that's not of this earth. You have eternal riches in heaven awaiting all those who know God, and you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. It doesn't get any better than that. The lifeblood, the enabler, the comforter, the one who in, the one who works in us and through us and gives us the strength to live our faith. It's the Holy Spirit. So we have to walk with God. We have to talk with God. And we have to thank him again and again, every single day consistently for, this is what you've done for me. And the more you meditate on what he's done for you, the more you keep that at the forefront of your vision, the more you'll love God. The more you'll love God, the more you'll see his love for you, the more you'll love others. And the more you will obey his commands. I think last week when we talked about your love being perfected and maturing, you know, we, we, we were saying the same thing. And now to go back to the text in 1 John, you know, we're really looking at the exact same truth John is just taking a different angle on it. In verse 6, he talks about, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. And it's it's easy to get confused here. Wait, what's going on? Like, the spirit and the water and the blood? Like, I mean, and I mean, you should, for those of you who like to really take deep dives into stuff, like, there has been a lot of ink spilled on exactly what John is trying to say right here, okay? For some people, it's like, well... When Jesus died on the cross and they pierced his side with the spear, water and blood flowed out. So they're they're talking about the sacrifice. It's part part of it, but like, wait, we're talking about Jesus coming for us specifically. So it's not just, it's not just that. Some people think, oh, this must be, this must be like the Lord's table. This This is like communion, right? You get the water, which, which represents you know, what we drink, and then the blood, and, and that's, that's kind of a stretch too. What John is talking about here, when you, when you look at the gospel of John, when you really read his writings, he's talking about the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. 
He's talking about Jesus coming into this world on a rescue mission to save you. So the water represents the beginning of his earthly ministry when he was 30 years old, when he was baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. It was on from there on. From there on. The blood represents the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Jesus came into this world, born in a manger, virgin birth. He lived a sinless life. He began his earthly ministry. He began to do miracles, to save the lost, to seek and to save. All of these amazing stories we hear, it all pointed to and culminated for Jesus giving his life a ransom for many. Shed his blood on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. When we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the gospel. John is talking about the gospel. This is what we must focus on and we will grow in our love for him. It's that beautiful. This is what we're celebrating this Christmas season for. So we have come full circle now. We love him because he first loved us. 1 John 4, 9 says this. If you go back a chapter. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. We're preaching stray gospel today, and this is where I want to invite you. If this is news to you, you can accept him today. Maybe you've heard this your whole life, and you've just put it off, and you've put it off, and you've never really truly owned the fact that I am a sinner. And apart from God, I'm doing it my way, and it's not going very well. I can pretend, I put on a face that everything is, is great for everyone else. I never want to admit that, that I have doubts, that I have fears, that I have severe insecurities. You put on a front. Here's the invitation. Accept the love of God. It is a free gift that you can receive. This is why Christians give gifts on Christmas because God gave us his son, the greatest gift. Jesus gave his life, the greatest gift. It's a gift that you can receive when you confess your sin, you repent, and you turn to him. If you don't have that, none of this is going to make sense, and Christians are going to sound really weird to you, and it's just, it's just it, it, love is going to be a hard thing to fully grasp. You're going to see shades of it. You're going to see shadows of it. You're going to like the concept of it. Everyone loves love. We all love people who love us, right? You cannot experience the fullness of what love is until you meet your Savior, until you know your God, because he gives us true love, full love. So think about what this says about you. I didn't deserve this. You didn't deserve this. But he came after us anyway. 
He came after us with mercy in his eyes, meaning he's going to withhold the judgment that we deserve. Not only did he have mercy, he came after us with grace. He ran us down, tracked us down, and he gave us something we never deserved. Ephesians 1, all the Feliz Navidad gifts are just lavished upon you right there. That's what he's given us. And if you really see that and you own that and you accept that and you embrace that, you're going to love. You're going to love God. You're going to love other people. And that is the key right there to unlocking the victory of being an overcomer. So have you received that gift? Will you call upon the name of the Lord today? I want to see you do it. We all do. So many of us in this room, we've received this, we've experienced this, and we want it for you. Love God and you will be consistently and constantly overcoming the world through faith in Jesus Christ. Secondly, the next one just flows directly from this, obey his commands. Obey his commands. If you love God, you'll obey his commands. Look at verse 2 and 3 one more time. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commands. For this is the love of God that we keep his commands and his commandments are not burdensome. So here's, here's the thing. If you're resistant and hesitant to obey God, that should tell you something about where your heart is at, okay? If it's like, ooh, can I really do this? Do I, do I really trust it? Uh, I want to put my, my life into something else over here. Like, that's, that should be screaming at you, wait a minute. Do you love God? Do you know him? Because if you love God, you can't help but react and respond, and I must obey him. Look what he did for me. I can't believe this. I love you, God. I, I'm ready to follow you. I'm ready to obey you. Take a good hard step back and analyze, like, am I resistant? Am I hesitant to obey God? And if you are, that tells you all you need to know about how much you love God right now. You might be loving something else more than you're loving God if you're in that place. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He also said, my burden is easy and my, my yoke is light. Now, this of course doesn't mean that life is just going to be easy the second you, you, you trust Christ and you become a Christian. We're not saying that. Remember, that, that would contradict everything we've already talked about this morning, everything in the New Testament. You're going to face for coming. A lot of stuff is going to be hitting the fan. There's a lot of stuff that you will face this side of eternity down here in this present earth. So life is, of, is of course, going to still be challenging. But through Jesus Christ, you can have victory because he carries the weight. His yoke is easy and the burden is light. It's because he's shouldering the brunt of it all, right? And we're just next to him. And we're walking alongside him, and he is carrying us through it. You trust God when you know God, 
when you see his love for him. I mean, just think about it in a marriage, right? When there's a breakdown in trust in a marriage, things are not going to be going well. Maybe some of you have been there. Something happened in the past or something's going on and, 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 there, and the love is kind of breaking down and you're turning into more of roommates or, or maybe someone was unfaithful and you have a situation where you have to rebuild trust. The love is fractured. That's a, that's a pretty tough spot to be in. It's like if I don't know that my wife loves me and she's gone on some project, she's, doing, she's working with some client and she's gone for a really long time, like... If you don't have trust and you don't have deep love, your mind's going to go to these weird places like, well, what's she really doing? You're going to be like looking at the phone. You're going to be doing all these things because the trust has broken down because the love isn't where it should be. If you don't trust God, if you're having a hard time giving your life over to him, you simply don't know what he's done for you. And you're not focused on all that he's already done for you and how much he loves you. God presents himself also as a loving heavenly father. This is a great thing to talk about at Christmas time because for, for some of us, we have not had a great picture of a perfect father in our life. And during this season, like old memories are stirred up and you know, it's, it can be a heavy thing. God is not like your father who was a fallen human, who was a sinner, who was imperfect. None of us have perfect fathers. None of us in this room are perfect fathers. We all, we all fail. We all don't measure up. God is the good father who never leaves you, never forsakes, never fails, never Ever will God do something to hurt you. He is a provider. He is a protector. He cares for you. And if something comes in your life that hurts, he's the remedy. Okay? He, he's the answer. He's not the initiator of that. Of course things happen that, that will hurt you, God allows some of those things in this present life, but he is over it all. It will never take you down because he loves you that much. When God says, don't, we've talked about this a lot. Does anybody remember? Our good father, if he's telling you don't do something, I need you to obey me here. I need you to trust me on this. Don't do this. We can think, oh, well, I want to do that. I, my feelings want to do this. Like My emotions want to do this. When God says don't, what is he really saying? You remember. Good job, everybody. When he says don't, what he means is don't hurt yourself. You can trust him. He's not going to make a rule to just lord it over you. That's not, what our, that's not who our good father is. When you know him, when you know how much he loves you, if he says, obey me here, I need you to trust me here, I'm looking out for you, please don't do that, you know, fill in the blank. Maybe it's something to do with, with the gift of sex. Maybe it's something to do with, with your, your will and your emotions. When God says don't, he means don't hurt yourself. And when he says go, he means go and flourish. That's our father who loves you. 
I love that it says here, John, John, knows, where, John knows exactly where we're going to go with this. Well, wait a minute, if I, if I give everything over to him, if I love him and I obey him, that means that I'm not going to be able to have this fun thing in my life. And I can kiss that one goodbye, and I won't make any money because I'll have a crazy salary. And, I mean, if I, if I say yes to God, he's going to send me over to some country in Africa to be a missionary, and I I'll just won't be happy. What a terrible view of, of your loving Heavenly Father. God doesn't just put you in a place to punish you and to, to, to beat you into submission. That's a super distorted view of God, our good Father. God knows exactly who you are because he created you. He gave you the personality that you have. He gave you the gifts that you have. He knows you better than you know yourself, okay? And God wants the best for you. So he's not going to just like make you go someplace that's just awful and you just have to sacrifice. He's going to put you in a place where you are best suited to fulfill your greatest, your greatest potential. You can fulfill your, your capacity to do more. He is, if you obey him and you seek his will, he's going to put you in the best place. So yes, we can surrender to him. Yes, we can trust him. He, he's got your back. He's looking out for you. That's the kind of God we have. Follow him and walk in his way. Remember we saw in John 10, just a few, like a month ago, like you lead, you go up to that gate, he is the door, and then you open it, open it up and you're in a pasture. And you're walking with him in the pasture. There's freedom there. Uh, I love how Augustine, the, the church father Augustine, when, if you read his commentary where he's looking at 1 John 5 here, he sums it all up with this. He simply says, love God and do what you will. Love God and do what you will. It's because when, you, when your heart is in love with God, he changes your desires. And now you're on fire for him. You're activated. You're like, I can't believe God did this for me. I'm ready to go out and love other people. And you know what? Now you're in this pasture and you have this freedom and you have this peace to simply be who God created you to be and follow his lead. You don't, you don't have to conform yourself to this ideology or this person over here. You don't have to get in this rigid grid and like be a cookie cutter person anymore. That's not the way God works. Love God and do what you will. Once you're in love with him, he starts opening up doors and avenues and you're, you're in this pasture of freedom to be the fullness of who God created you to be. Promise of joy, promise of light, promise of love, promise of victory. Because you're focused on, oh my word, God did this. And I gotta do, I gotta show this person how, how good God is. And guess what? Those problems and those challenges that you're facing, they're kind of like minimized. They're off to the side. Like, like we're not as focused on those. They're not all consuming of our time and our thoughts and our emotions because we're so in love with God. And we're making an impact in other people. You wanna be an attractional person who has light? You wanna shine your light? You can't do it if you don't love God. 
And if you want to make a bigger impact in your family, if you want to make a bigger impact at work, what do you need to do? Meditate on the gospel? See the love of God for you? Fall in love deeper with God? And you're going to love others. And it's going to show. That's why the church is a light. We're a city on a hill because we have the light of Christ. We know the love of God. We are the, we are the people who've been gifted the love of God. And we can share that with others. Obeying his commands flows out of love. Love God and obey his commands. When I felt called to go into ministry, I was... Uh, I was fully expecting to go into business, all right? I, I chose a Christian university in Greenville, South Carolina, because I was like, what's a Christian college that has the best business degree? Because I want to make a lot of money. That was, that was why I went to Greenville, okay? And, and I was like, I want to go to a Christian college, but I wanted to be a really good business degree. And that summer, I worked at a place, uh, McLean Midwest Grocery Distribution, okay? This was this massive complex. They, they did it all. I was like right there in the middle of it all. And I saw guy after guy, like lady, like everybody I was surrounded by, making lots of money, working horrible hours, super angry and bitter at their life. I was like, man, this doesn't look that great. Uh, don't really like what I see here. Uh, yeah, these people have a lot of money and they can go on vacations, but man, they need a vacation like every day because... Your life is not what I want. And you know what I saw as I looked around? My dad, my youth pastor, all these people in my church who loved God, they weren't making as much money as the people at McLean Midwest, but they had peace and they had joy. They had contentment because they knew who their father was and they were in love with God. And those same people who loved God said, hey, David, I think you should try and to go into, into the ministry. You need to pray about that. These, all these people are encouraging me. I think you should think about this. And at the same time, I'm like, oh, yeah, I really don't like what I see over here. I changed, I changed my major from business to studying for the ministry the week before I showed up as a freshman. And God just started changing my heart about it all. I never looked back, and here we are today. But, but that's just my testimony, part of my testimony of how God used other people in my life to show me that truth. I want you to see the same thing. We can all overcome over and over again through faith in Jesus Christ. So what's your story? Where, where's your testimony in all this? I think it's really, it's really easy for us to think, oh, man, I don't have a great story. I don't have anything to share. I was saved when I was five years old, and I've never, I've never done all these crazy, horrible things and have this wild story that other people have. So I want to talk about that just for a minute because I think a lot of people underestimate their testimony of how God has worked in their life. When I was... Uh, in seminary, and I like this is like right before I met Julie. I was living in a house with another guy. There was a guy who he he owned the house. He traveled a lot, and so 
me and one other guy rented from him. So I basically had this roommate, and uh, we, we got to know each other. We became really good friends. He had the opposite story as me, okay? I grew up, my dad was a pastor. I grew up going to church every single day, right? He grew up in an abusive home, very abusive home. He went to the Navy. He was, he was on drugs, like, every, like the whole nine yards, like that story you hear, right? He got saved when he was 26 years old. He told me something one day. We, 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 we always, I mean, we would talk all the time. We would work out together. Um, great guy. He told me, you know what? You look, you know, people like you who have this, like, testimony where you were saved as a child. You can look at people like me and you can be really moved by, by God's salvation in my life. God rescued me from depression, from, from addiction. And, we're, and it's true, like, a person like me is like, wow, that's an amazing testimony. Wow, almost wish that was, I mean, I wish I had something that amazing to share with people. He said, so my testimony for people like you is the same as your testimony for people like me. Because I can look at your life and you have parents who love Jesus Christ. You have parents who raised you and taught you the truth and it worked. Like, you, you, you were able to live a life that wasn't scarred by all these things I had to go through, which I wish I didn't have to go through. Your testimony is just as powerful for me as my testimony is for you. Do you guys follow that? Do you see that? People like Paul need to know that God loves people and he will save anyone, and he's working through everyone. We all have problems. We all have challenges. But God uses every single one of us. So never underestimate your testimony. Never minimize what you can do for God. You can be a shy person. You can still be filled with the love of God, and you can still shine your light and share that with people. You can make a huge difference. We're going to light candles in a minute, which are so symbolic of the light that we have, that we shine, the truth that we have. As we close this morning, I really want you to meditate on two specific things. The first thing is, think about how much God loves you. God chose you. He created you. He died for you. He's ready to give you everything you need. Everything you need, okay? Think about how much God loves you. And then I want you to truly be honest with yourself about what you're doing with that love. What are you doing with that love? In this, in this book, we, ha we haven't been able to read every verse. This has definitely not been a series where we go, we go verse by verse. We've been looking at the four promises, the four big themes that cycle all throughout it, right? But if you want to jump ahead all the way to the last verse of 1 John chapter 5, look at it with me. It says, little children, keep yourself from idols. I was talking with Chris about this passage this week, and uh, and I mean, if if you're not if you're just reading through this, this will really just jump out at you. Like, wait, what? 
Where did that come from? It came out of left field. That's, that's like the first read. You get like, and John is a, is, a, is a master writer, okay? He's saying this to make a stop and pause and like, okay, I got to connect some dots now because he just sprung that one on me. Why does he end this whole thing? He's just been talking about light and joy and peace and victory. And then he just says, the last thing he says is, little children, keep yourself from idols. He's making you think, right? So let's think about that. How much God loves you. Be honest with what you're doing with that love. Have you left your first love? It's another question that John that John proposes in another one of his writings. Or are you motivated by something else? Because you can be doing the right thing. You can be in church, okay? And you can be so consumed with this detail has to be perfect and this person has to do the right thing and I got to correct that problem and I got to fix this over here. Before you know it, you've lost your first love and you're not simply loving God and letting his love flow through you. You're actually doing the right thing, but you're doing it in your own strength. And guess what's going to happen? You're not going to be overcoming when that next hurdle and the next challenge comes. So when he says, little children, keep yourselves from idols, it does connect. Because everything you put over Jesus Christ is an idol, right? So anything in your life right now that you love more than God is an idol. This whole book is about loving God. Receive the love of God. Show the love of God. Shine it forth. So I told you to think about those two questions. Meditate on the love that God has for you and think about what you're doing with that love. Is there an idol of the heart that's in the way? Is there something that you're just so preoccupied with that or you can't stop thinking about that or you've made this a bigger deal than it needs to be, but it's, it's affecting your love for God? Stand up, everyone. We're going to have some people come by. They're going to they're gonna light your candle. If you're at the end of an aisle, you'll probably get a little light. And once you have your candle lit, I would like you just to pass that on to the next person next to you. If everybody has a candle, if you need a candle, raise your hand. Got a lot of people right here, but we're looking good. So we're going to just light these candles. And we're going to take some time to pray right now. If you've received the gift, you have the lights. You have, you have joy because you've received the gift of, of love. You, have, you also find joy by sharing the gift of love. And you can be an overcomer. You can overcome what you're facing right now. You can overcome what you're going to face tomorrow and next week because of the love of God. Think about how much God loves you. Just talk to him about what you're doing with that love. Use your seat right now as an altar, wherever you're standing. Just think about that light that you have, that you're holding in your hand, how you have to shine that. We're going to spend some time in prayer. And then, and then in a few minutes, we will pray and we will sing.
We're here today, Father, because of your love for us. We can't say it enough, and we don't want it to be meaningless. We don't want it to feel empty. We don't want it to be a, a, a hashtag or a, or a tagline or just something that we, that we say, and it goes in one ear and out the other. Lord, just, just, just allow us to stop that. When we talk about your love, Lord, May it be genuine. May it be real. May we think about what it really means. Every single one of us in this room, before we met you, and when we were running away from you, we were unlovely. We were not lovable. But you loved us anyway. Thank you for that. And we know for sure, it's so clear, Lord, that you have chosen to use us to be your light in this world, to shine your love to everyone we meet. And it's really that beautifully simple. May we grow in our love for you and may we grow in our love for others. And as we're thinking about this and giving this over to you, Lord, we're we are all right now offering up anything that is in the way of that. We offer it up, we get rid of it, and we say, God, take it. We love you first. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a Merry Christmas. I, I really am excited about what, what uh, we're gonna do as a family. Um, I'm sure you are, you are prepared if, if you need somebody to spend Christmas with, talk to me about it. We'll, we'll make sure that you find a place to have some Christmas and some, a meal and a good time together. But let's close our service with Romans 8, 31 and 32. Let's say it all together. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Isn't that incredible how that fits exactly with what we just saw from God's word about being an overcomer? It's all there in scripture. It all comes full circle. You are loved and you are sent.